The scripture for this morning is 2 Corinthians 8, 16 through 24. But thanks be to God who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you of his own accord. With him, we are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. And not only that, but he has been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this, this act of grace that is being ministered by us for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our goodwill. We take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered by us. For we aim at what is honorable and not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. And with them, we are sending our brother whom we have often tested and found earnest in many matters, but who is now more earnest than ever because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. And as for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. So give proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you to these men. This is God's word. I bring back a quote from Elliot Clark I used a few weeks ago. Our secular world is increasingly suspicious of religion. Christians are no longer a part of the solution. We're the problem. Pastors are untrustworthy. Churches are suspect. Bible believers are bigots. Many are rightly suspicious of churches. We've been riddled with scandals, immorality, abuse, the misappropriation of funds. Add to that the constant pleas for money and the manipulative means of getting it. And we can understand why some struggle with trusting the church. All of these are the opposite of who Jesus Christ is. They're the opposite of what we should be as a church. So how, how do we turn this around? I think Paul gives us a bit of a pathway through his character and his leadership as we see it in this passage. He is a leader of high integrity and of self-forgetfulness. Let's let him be our model. Let's pray. Our Father, meet us through your spirit today, for your word is the sword of the spirit. And I pray that as, as your spirit speaks to us today, that he would give us new understanding, new mind, new hearts that align with the mind and heart of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Godly leadership is critical today. And it's especially when we are when the church is asking for financial donations, when we're asking for money. And this was the case in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 as Paul asked the Corinthian church to financially support the impoverished Christians in Jerusalem. Paul was a model leader in this activity. Last week we saw that instead of commanding them to give, he inspired them to give by pointing to the example of the self-sacrificial giving of the Macedonian church and by pointing to the self-sacrificial life of Jesus Christ. 
in our passage, Paul provided a plan that would engender the trust of the Corinthians so that they'd feel comfortable about giving their offering and the administration of that offering. He enumerated the safeguards that were taken to ensure the proper handling of these funds so that they could have confidence in the process. It's summarized in verses 20 and 21. We take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered by us. For we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. As always, Paul was resolved to please the Lord. His process was honorable in the Lord's sight. He also took pains to be above board about everything he did so that his actions would be honorable in the sight of men. Every church needs this type of leader. Every ministry, every business, every family, every community, every relationship should this have this type of leader. All of us should learn from Paul's example because we all lead in some way or another. So this morning, we're going to look at three qualities of Paul's leadership that we should emulate. Self-forgetfulness, valuing team, and being an inspirational leader. So we begin with Paul. He was self-forgetful. Paul had done everything one could possibly do to earn the Corinthians' respect and trust. He was their spiritual father. He labored tirelessly for them without ever asking for any personal financial support. He endured hardship, affliction, persecution to minister to them, even putting his life on the line time and time again to bring the gospel to them and to the other churches. He was a man of highest integrity. He was an apostle with the authority of the apostles. The only thing he ever asked of the Corinthians was that they would open their heart to him. Yet, he was not fully respected or trusted. He had to defend the process of this collection before the Corinthian church because so many didn't trust him. It was one more slap in his face upon being dishonored, slandered, and treated as an imposter. But Paul humbled himself to accommodate them. So why? Why would Paul do this? Because in Paul's mind, it wasn't about Paul. It was about the Lord. It was about the Corinthians. It was about the church in Jerusalem. Paul was a self-forgetful person, a gospel-humble man. You know, Paul is the poster child for, of self-forgetfulness in Tim Keller's book entitled The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. Keller grounds his understanding of self-forgetfulness in Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. He said, but with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself. 
For I'm not aware of anything against myself, but I'm not thereby acquitted. It's the Lord who judges me. Paul was a self-forgetful man because he was not driven by the expectation of others or of his own personal expectations. He didn't get his sense of identity from what others thought about him or even from what he thought about himself. God alone was his judge. On the other hand, like me, many of us are trapped by seeking the approval of others. We're devastated by criticism and disapproval. We change our actions or compromise ourselves because of our concern of how people will judge us. Or else we're, we're trapped because of our own self-judgment. Emotionally ruled by how we feel about ourselves in the moment. We get puffed up when we think we've done a good job or that we're living in the right way and we're deflated when we struggle or fail. Paul was free of these attitudes because he wasn't influenced by the judgment of others. He didn't even judge himself. He knew that it was God's judgment alone that was right. As a result... He was only concerned about what God wanted. This resulted in his gracious patience with the Corinthians. He actually images Tim Keller's words, the self-forgetful person would never be particularly badly hurt badly by criticism. It wouldn't devastate them. It wouldn't keep them up late. It wouldn't bother them. Why? Because a person who is devastated by criticism is putting too much value on what other people think, on other people's opinions. Because Paul didn't think about himself, he acted according to what he felt about others rather than what they felt about him. You know, this is a quality that was evident in our 16th president. Edwin Stanton was among Abraham Lincoln's cruelest critics. He called Lincoln a cunning clown and a long-armed ape. And people were astonished when Lincoln appointed Stanton to his cabinet. And he was asked, do you know what Stanton says about you? Lincoln replied, not interested in what he thinks about me. What is important is what I think about him. This was Paul's attitude. And this freed him to think about others. To count others is more important than himself. To look out for their interests. And we see all of this in his, this, our chapter this morning. He was passionate about the needs of the church in Jerusalem. He was amazed by the sacrificial spirit of the Macedonian churches. And he was sensitive to the needs of the Corinthians. What they needed to hear to trust him. See, it was all about them, not about himself. You know, some in Corinth might have challenged Paul being described as self-forgetful because so often in this book, he defends himself. This wasn't because he needed their approval or he wanted them to value him. It's because he wanted them to value Christ. 
his gospel, his word, his will. His defense of himself wasn't for his own sake. It was for their sake, for their spiritual welfare. He defended himself so they would follow his words, which pointed them to Jesus Christ and the gospel. What he wrote in verse 21 about the offering was true of all of Paul's actions. He did what was honorable not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man for the Lord's sake. It wasn't about him. It was about them. Self-forgetfulness is a key quality in leadership. It's also critical for all of us as Christians in our everyday walk with Christ. When we live self-forgetful lives, concern not about ourselves, but about what the Lord wants and about others, that will begin to change people's opinions of the church. Self-forgetful leaders will naturally value team because ministry is not about them. It's about others. It's about God's work and how God engages every believer in his work. Self-forgetful leaders don't look for applause or acclaim, approval, or acknowledgement. They think about God's ministry, about using every member of Christ's body. They're thinking of fellow workers and how they can build them up and support them and champion them. Paul valued team. Although it was clear Paul was an apostle, that he was writing these letters, he named Timothy as a co-author. And he continually used the first person plural throughout this letter. Team jumps out at us in this passage. Paul not only sent Titus, he called him a partner. And as we read the description of Titus, we can see how Paul prized Titus, how he used Titus where Titus' gifts could be used. And he not only sent Titus, he sent out two others with him. He sent out a well-respected spiritual brother who was chosen by the churches in Judea. Another brother who was well-known and well-tested by Paul and his cohorts along with Titus. The trio of highly esteemed men bolstered the confidence of the Corinthians in this cause. Team was important and is important. Team was always Paul's modus operandi. He began his minister as co-leader of a team of missionaries alongside Barnabas. Later, he paired with Silas in their missionary endeavors. He opened various letters by citing Sosthenes, Silvanus, and on six occasions, Timothy as co-authors. He highlighted the ministries of Titus, Timothy, Epaphroditus, Philemon, and Mark. He lauded co-workers at the end of Romans and Colossians and 2 Timothy. Although he was God's chosen apostle to the Gentiles, he valued his team. He discipled them. He gave them leadership responsibilities, and yes, he championed them. See, I'm encouraged that one of the core values of Westgate Church is team. And that's our aspiration is to function as a team, as a leadership, and as a church. 
Let's pray that this becomes more and more a reality at Westgate, that everyone who's a part of Westgate will find a place in the family, in the team of Westgate Church. And if you don't feel that way, please speak with me or one of the other elders because we want to bring you along and help you with the next steps to make that happen. Our passage describes the team, and then it highlights a key quality of team members. I don't know if you noticed it as it was read. Earnestness, verses 16 and 17. Thanks be to God who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. Paul and Titus both had earnest care for the Corinthians. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he's going to you of his own accord. Among the great servant qualities of Titus, earnestness tops the charts. And it marks the other brother that Paul personally knew in verse 22. With them, we're sending our brother, whom we have often tested and found earnest in many matters, but who is now more earnest than ever because of his great confidence in you. Four times he references earnestness in this passage. What is earnestness? It's a combination of being genuine and eager and passionate. Well, we might picture earnestness with Paul bringing Titus and the other brother around him and beginning to present the task and they're rubbing their hands together They've got excited looks on their face, wide-eyed, just ready, ready and eager. Just, Paul, just say go. They are fully committed. They are passionate. They are eager. It's a quality we should have for one another, that the tasks we're called to aren't just tasks we should do, but we gain the, the mind of Christ about them, and we become eager, eager and earnest their care for the Corinthians was genuine and passionate. And like Paul, they're not interested in what they would get out of it. They weren't looking for recognition. They weren't looking to build their resumes. They genuinely and passionately cared for the Corinthians and the church in Jerusalem. They were eager to jump in and help. passage says that God put that earnestness in Titus's heart. It's the Holy Spirit as he works in this church is going to make our hearts earnest for the Lord and earnest to serve one another. Paul's self-forgetfulness was the reason he valued team and it was the reason he was an inspirational leader. Rather than using guilt motivation or power plays, Paul offered godly motivations. We see, we see it in his appeals throughout 2 Corinthians, always drawing them to Christ. 
Paul drew rather than pushed. Everyone, and especially in our letter, the Corinthians, toward what was right. Last week, we saw how he moved their hearts by offering the inspirational story about the sacrificial giving of the cash-strapped Macedonians. And then brought us to the foot of the cross by highlighting the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. In addition, he reminded them that they already had a heart's desire to give to the Corinthians. They just needed to complete it. And then in our passage, Paul gives three good reasons to trust. Three good men in order to make it easier for them to trust that the offering would go to what was intended. Inspirational leadership addresses the mind and the heart, not just the will. It draws people to fully agree with the cause because they begin to see it as Christ sees it. General Eisenhower, leader in, during World War II, he was once asked about his leadership style. The story goes that he pulled out a piece of string and put it on his desk. And he asked, push it. And so the questioner pushed the string and all it did was ball up. And he straightened it out again and he said, now pull it. And he pulled it and it followed in a perfectly straight line. See, Eisenhower was known for saying, pull the string and it will follow you wherever you wish. Push it and it'll go nowhere at all. Paul pulled the Corinthians toward what was right. He spoke to the Corinthians' minds and hearts. And we see it especially in his inspirational challenge in verse 24 when he says, so give proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you to these men. So, let's get a sense of this. Paul, it's halftime, and Paul has gathered the Corinthians around them, and he's given them a game plan, inspirational instructions about how to live out the next quarter. And everyone puts their hands together in the middle of the circle, and Paul shouts out, Prove your love for the church. Show that you're the church we've been bragging about. Go fight, win. Inspirational leadership. Self-forgetful leaders are inspirational because they're more concerned about the spiritual lives of their followers than about getting any credit for finishing a job. They're more interested in uniting people's minds and hearts with God's will than in accumulating personal glory for reaching a goal. They're more about the Lord and others than they are about themselves. Like Jesus, Paul considered others more important than himself. It was Paul's self-forgetfulness that freed him to care for the churches it was his self-forgetfulness that led him to value team rather than being a Lone Ranger apostle. It was his self-forgetfulness that freed him to lead by inspiration rather than by guilt or command. 
So how did he become so self-forgetful? By living out of the gospel truth that God's verdict was already in. As he wrote earlier, it's God who judges me. And God's verdict about Paul that was already in was Paul was completely and fully accepted by God because of what Jesus Christ had done. He was God's beloved. He was so valued by God that God sent his son to purchase Paul's salvation, not with gold or silver or precious stones, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Paul knew God's verdict. We, too, can become self-forgetful if we live by the same gospel truth moment by moment. As Tim Keller wrote, like Paul, we can say, I don't care what you think. I don't care what I think. I only care what the Lord thinks. And he has said, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And you are my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. And Keller continues, you see, the verdict is in. And now I perform on the basis of the verdict because he loves me and because he accepts me. I do not have to do things just to build up my resume. I don't have to do things to make me look good. I can do things for the joy of doing them. I can help people to help people, not so I, have to feel, so I could feel better about myself. When we have this attitude, we are free to do all for the glory of God. Let's pray. Our Father, keep us at the foot of the cross. Bathe us in the wonders of what Jesus did for us and what he has now made us. Ground our identity in God's judgment of us that when he looks at us, he sees Jesus and he sees his child's adopted sons and daughters who by your spirit cry out, Abba, Father as those cleansed and renewed, as new creatures in Christ, where there is no condemnation, but love, grace, forgiveness, and mercy. Lord, let us live as though the verdict is already in, our identity is fully established, so that we can live freely for what the Lord desires. Amen.